Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of that guy that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast, August 19th, one of Star Trek's biggest icons, or celebrity fans, or both, will be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by Star Trek royalty Data himself, Brent Spiner. I learned that reality is incredibly larger, infinitely more exciting than the flesh and blood vehicle we travel in here. And I would like to welcome back our guest host this week, the Oscar-nominated screenwriter, Josh Olson. Hello. Thanks for being with us again today. All right, Josh, what does this quote say to you? I had a bit of a struggle trying to wrap my head around this one. I was what say, is this one saying to you? For the record, that some flesh and blood vehicles are way more exciting mm. than others. <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting one because it's it's uh, it is very broad. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a way of of sort of looking at um, you know, there's there's more going on than uh, just what's happening inside us. I mean, I, it could mean almost anything. That's kind of my my right. takeaway, and and I, I think that's true. I think that there's it's a peeve of mine, if you will, when you watch. Uh, you know, I'm not obsessed with it, but I've watched a lot of documentaries about cults. And um, not an unhealthy number, just just enough. And <laughs> and there's a uh, a thing that you know runs through, especially some of the more modern ones, where they'll talk to people who were once in one of these things, like the Nixium cult or what have you, and they'll invariably talk about all the other groups they had been in, trying to find their answer, and this one and that one, and invariably everything they have done, every group they have joined has been a thing about looking inside yourself and. And making that the thing you want it to be. And hmm. they never get what they want. So they go from cult to cult to cult. And I'm all sitting there screaming at the TV going, do something for someone else. Like mm-hmm. step outside yourself, you know, engage yourself with your community, with the organism you're part of. Give yourself up for just a minute to, to mm-hmm. somebody else. I know this is trite, but, you know, go, go work in a kitchen, feed, feed homeless people for an afternoon. You'll be amazed at what that does for your, you know, screw them. They're just other people. We don't care about them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what it does for your internal, you know, sense of self and well-being. And but I want to jump in and um, say not because you're because I spoke about doing service work uh, as a way to get out of your own head on this podcast. But yeah. not because I don't want people to think it's because you go and maybe you serve some food because you are better and you're in a better. No, it is because you are realizing no. that. You uh, maybe you're feeling hopeless in your life. Maybe you have no per, and you're realizing you can be of service. That these people are getting something from mm-hmm. the actions you are giving, and that you do yeah. have a, a point and a part in this universe. But I, I'll throw it back to Trump. But I do want to say about this quote. What I 
actually really love about it is like if we don't even think about the soul, right? Because that's just something in right. us around us. We don't really know what it is. I'm talking about religion. I just mean your soul. But also bigger than this meat suit I'm in is, uh, you know, if we could unlock our brain, which is part of the meat suit, but if we could unlock the other 90%, I could probably uh, shift the molecules of this wall and walk through it, you know? And that's sort of exciting to me in terms of, of what we could do if we got out of our own way. But in the end, I do think we're coming up in a pretty narcissistic society where it is kind of all me focused. So I think this quote is really mm -hmm. apt. It's like the world is so much bigger than me, me, me. Than just you. Yeah. And it's very interesting that it's read by Brent Spiner, who plays Lieutenant Commander Data, our favorite android, the machine who craved to be human, who craved to find what it was like to be a human. Uh, and, and I love that that he's the one who's reading this quote. Yeah. Well, and that's also, by the way, there's always, I can't say always, I should full reveal, I have not seen every episode of every iteration of Star Trek, but in, usually there is a character, mm -hmm. at least in the first several series, um, there's always a character who's not human, who whether or not they're doing what Data is doing or whether or not they're Spock mm -hmm. or what have you, they're on a journey of coming to understand what being human is, even if it's Spock's case where he's sort of pretty much, you know, I'm better than that. But that that's still the what that character's excuse for being is, you know. And Exactly. In Voyager, it was the uh, electronic hologram. medical hologram, yep. Yep. the doctor who wanted to find the way to be more than just being a hologram. Yeah. When I read this quote and I watched the clip a few times, I think what I kept getting hung up on is like the word reality. Learned that reality is incredibly larger. So I looked up uh, the Oxford Dictionary defines reality as one, the world or state of things as they actually exist, as opposed to an idealistic or notional idea of them. And two, the state or quality of having existence or substance. And then when you said what you said, Josh, like that, that's what I think it clicked with me because uh, these people who are searching for something in themselves by looking inward, if they just look beyond them to the reality, to the existence of other people, of, you know, the planet, just yeah. things that are, are outside of their individual, what is it, meat suit, yeah. uh, flesh and blood vehicle, uh, that's where they could probably find what they're looking for. Yeah, and I think we're built, that's built into us, you know, we know that we are part of an organism and... Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody, you know, and, and it's, it's something that religion fulfills, but a lot of things fulfill that same, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a writer. I spend a lot of time sitting in front of a keyboard, just working and kind of being happy that I'm by myself. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you point a gun to my head and said, what do you, what do you think about crowds? I'm like, ah, I hate them. But, you know, <laughs> I go to a Bruce Springsteen concert. And I'm surrounded by 20,000 people who probably, mm -hmm. if you took any three of us and put us in a room, we get into a fight. But for that <laughs> moment, we are just unified, you know, we're just this yep. unified field. And that's the same thing you get out of religion. It's the same thing you get out of you know, all kinds of things. And it's like, because I think- It's community. Yeah, we're hardwired to need that. And and to me, that's sort of a source of all kinds of energy and inspiration and 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 escape. I don't know. I don't know if I believe in, I mean, I once said, uh, you know, I don't believe in happiness. You have to learn to be happy without <laughs> it. But, mm. but whatever it is, it's, it's, not, it's not a complete, you know, uh, eternal answer. Uh, but, but I think you do need to reconnect with that 
to keep going. I think when you're at your lowest, just sort of remind yourself and find a way to connect yeah. to a community of some this, sort. This um, quote, actually, that's very true words, by the way. It is kind of about connection, which I have to remind myself, like connect with other humans, man. Mm-hmm. But this brings up the quote, uh, uh, from, in my mind, like, what is reality? Like, I always joke that I'm a, mm-hmm. a time lord, time traveler, changeling, because the way that time <laughs> is for me is very different. I can be doing something and I look up and it's uh, a month later and, and everyone else is different and I'm the same. Or even like, you know, I'm a middle-aged lady and, you know, I tell people my age and what I get from my peers is, oh, well, you look so much younger than me. I don't get a welcomeness, right? I don't. I don't get welcome. It's a it's a temporary problem. It's not going to last forever. All the age is going to catch up. But I'm I'm saying I've always kind of made my own reality and time slips around for me and reality slips around. So when I look at this quote, I go, okay, you know, as big as the things and grandiose notions I have in my mind, it's very true that everything else out there is so much bigger and more important and grander than Mm -hmm. my little um, Horton Hears a Who world I've created for myself. Right. And I think we can also uh, agree that, you know, the quote, does speak to the specificity of flesh and blood vehicle. But what that really is saying is the individual. Reality is bigger than just us, just our reality, Wait, I, what are, our what individual are you reality, to say here? or is our community. It's bigger than us? No, it is. I know, but that's how most people respond. They're like, what do you mean? It shatters yes. their reality. Yep. You see that when people travel outside, they leave their hometown, they go to college, and they There's all this other stuff that they never even uh, considered. Uh, You travel internationally and uh, uh, there's all this stuff you never considered. It didn't even, it was never even part of their reality. I'm going to take it to a dark place because when I was in college at NYU, I was, uh, I'm I'm black and Jewish. You know, my dad was Jewish. And uh, anyway, I'm talking to this one girl from the Midwest and she's like, Jews have horns and tails. And I was like, whoa, whoa. What I don't even, and we're uh, we're talking in my lifetime, so I'm hoping her reality. <laughs> well, you explained to her the black ones don't, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and I have a forked tongue. Um, but that these uh, ideas and their and our own personal realities, right, supersede what's really going on out in the world. But she truly believed that that's her reality. Uh, just as we all have to believe some falsehoods to keep going, right? But hopefully, mm-hmm, right, we do. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of, I say, there's a little bit of delusion needed to carry on. Or it's the quote by Baldwin, you know, uh, to be, he said black people specifically, but, you know, to be anyone ethnic means being enraged all the time in America because you're like, I got to swallow this. So I've had to shift my reality, frankly, as a child, I started doing that so that I wasn't angry and bitter all the time. I put that over there and then put in my perfect, brightly colored reality. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I'm aware that I am deluding myself mm-hmm. so that I can take a step forward. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. Oh, for sure. So uh, my friend Harlan Nelson said, uh, if, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. But, you know, the trick is, how do you how do you avoid not just walking around furious all the time? You know, oh, absolutely. And because I'm the age I am too, too, like I said, I'm very cognizant that I want to I want to stay uh, cool. I don't want to become boomer boom. I want to understand 
what's going on with the younger generations coming up and not yes. just write off the stuff they're yep. saying. That's not cool, oh, yeah, man. Sure. I didn't like being devalued. I'm mm-hmm. the Gen X slacker generation who has no voice now. So uh, <laughs> there's probably more vocal generations. But um, I'm hoping that Gen X steps up and puts uh, and contributes what our reality is, what we came out of, and what we see going forward, right? Because right now we're lumped in with boomers, which is not a bad word, but I kind of think it is, right? And and I don't want to make it that. I don't want the reality to be old is bad, young is good. That's mm-hmm. not cool to me, frankly, because now I'm old and it can't be cool. <laughs> I definitely make a point to befriend uh, people that are younger than me. And I'm always, so I, I work in production. So I meet a lot of new people all the time and PAs are very young. So I love meeting and befriending young people, not just because I want to be like, you know, with the cool kids or whatever, but I want to hear what they're into. I, you know, the slang, like what, whatever is cool, because I also, I don't want to age out and be like, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be like the cool guy always. And I realize that. But like you said, I don't I remember what it was like to be to be devalued because I was young. I had piercings. I had long hair and I wore all black and I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. And no one really took me seriously. And I know what that feels like. So that's why um, I like having like I, I learned a lot of good music uh, recommendations for younger people because I'm so stuck in listening to what I've been listening to my whole entire life. And I could listen to the same music forever and be completely happy, but I'm never going to, you know, grow. My musical tastes aren't going to grow. So I kind of need, I have to rely on my younger friends to like, let me know like what's, what's (laughs) good. I want to throw in one more thing before we wrap up, because I talk about it in my book a little, like when I was growing up with my father, I would show him like a picture I drew in first grade and he would go, I remember when I was in that stage (laughs) and it was very devaluing to my reality and possibly narcissistic when we think (laughs) about it, that everything was an extension of him. Now, he was a genius, brilliant man Mm. who suffered from bipolar. So I'm going to say that's part of the, you know, personality thing that was going on with him. But I bring this up to say as a young adult, I had to understand that I, my reality was I needed to separate that so that I did not end up in relationships or, or connect to people to just see a reflection of myself in them, if that makes any sense. So reality, Mm -hmm. I do believe is what you make of it. And back to this quote, I mean, I learned the reality is incredibly larger, really real reality is so much bigger than even the amazing things that Josh, who's an who's a, uh, Academy Award nominated writer, could probably come <laughs> up with, you know, and I'm not saying he couldn't come up with the worlds. He can. But I mean, reality is so much bigger than anything yeah, we could fathom. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. As I've gotten older, I, I read less and less fiction and a lot more nonfiction, you know, mm. just because it's it's never ending you know it's it's not limited by the imagination of a, a specific cast of people which writers are no matter how diverse it's reality is just so much more strange and fascinating and endless than any writer is going to come up with it is and we didn't even touch on that reality is not just this right yep. this that i'm touching now flesh yep. and blood this table made of wood and the way these atoms uh, arranged to make this table it's we touched on the soul for a second and that's obviously a much longer discussion because what oh, is absolutely. that and yet consciousness consciousness because when i wake up in the morning right uh i i wake up and i think well, I'm tired and I want to go back to sleep. But what I wake up and think is I'm a sentient conscious being. I don't think I'm a woman first or a black woman or this and that. I just think I'm a thinking 
thing, mm-hmm. right? So it's not just limited to my gender or my my right. uh, my caramel butter butter peanut butter color that I love or different things. It's not just these tangible things. It's it's what's in the ether. Yeah. Well, Josh, thank you again for joining us today nice and job. all week long. And if you want to check out these quotes, you have to check out the, the videos uh, that we will be releasing on the Roddenberry social media so you can see all of the quotes being read by uh, our famous friends. So thank you for tuning in today. And we hope you'll join us again for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Are they our friends now? They are now. <laughs> I'll take it. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.